welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. Hi, my name is Ash, and I'm joined with uh, two members of my firefighting family. We got Todd, hello, and Scott, hey there. And uh, yeah, tonight we're going to a cookies. Uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, put a lid on that. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna go over some recent training uh, that we did. It was a uh, field training exercise that we ran uh, locally here uh, in our department, and then we're gonna follow up with some ice rescue training. Uh, that's been going on in the valley the past uh, uh, couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, uh, you and one of our other officers came up with our uh, scenario this past week. Yep. Um, I was the duty officer for it, so I was IC for the event. But uh, why don't you lay the groundwork of uh, what that looked like? Yeah, so, um, like you said, we've been training on... Search, like building search and roof venting and basic fire attack over the last month. So we, what we try to do is every month we do a, a scenario or field training exercise. Um, so like a high fidelity sim, as Todd calls them. Mm-hmm. Basically, we try to make it as realistic as we can without burning a building down um, or whatever the scenario is. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, Earlier in the month, we were actually trying to find a place to do a building search, and what came up was one of our officers, he works in a, like a, a highways department, so he had suggested why don't we use his shop, but we ended up getting the pool building that we've talked about in the last podcast, and uh, so I did the call, I'm like, well, let's use a pool building for training, and then on a side note, I messaged him privately, I said, we're going to use your shop for our field training exercise, Yeah. so... Um, so unbeknownst to you or any of the other officers, That's right. um, this is what that, so that that was how that started. Um, so I had a, there's other one of our members who's also worked for the same company. Hmm. So they both agreed to be the patients. Um, so went down on uh, Wednesday before, so the, mm-hmm. the the day before. Took a quick look around. Um, it was actually just an open open shop. Uh, not a super big building. It's probably. I'd say like 60 feet, like 40? Yeah, about that, 40, 60, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, I think one or, oh no, like maybe a little longer. Maybe, because it's about a length and a half, I think, to get through. Anyway. Yeah, you're right, yeah. So, um, it's like, yeah, so it's, it's about 80 by 40. Um, it's only got like, it's, I think it's got two sh- two little offices. You got like a break room, a uh, little uh, supervisor office, and a bathroom. Yeah. And then the rest is basically open. And a mezzanine. About open garage. That. Yeah, it's uh, how high is that ceiling? Yeah, 40, 40 it's high. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then that leads up to this upper mezzanine that's open. Um, so stairwell in the back end of the building. Um, just one big bay garage door and then a man door on the alpha side. And then on the delta side at the rear, so delta Charlie corner would be another man door. So two... Technically, three accesses hmm. in, um, and so we were trying to plan. So first of all, we said, "Yeah, we need a vehicle in there for sure." So we yeah. we pulled. Um, we were talking about what kind of truck to use, and there's a whole bunch of snow plow snow equipment um, around for for the roads. And they got these big wings on them that come down uh, off the side of the truck that shoves the snow into the ditch to to clear the road, and these things. I want to say they're like close to half a ton. I guess what, I think yeah. that's what Adam said. He, he actually didn't know the exact weight because it's, it's heavy. Like, yeah. he's, he's like, it's actually one of my biggest fears is this thing landing on top of me. So we had a discussion. And um, so what we ended up doing is we we pulled the truck in. We got one of the workers. They pulled the truck in. So the truck was parked in there when I arrived on Thursday night. So Thursday night, what we do now is we, we do our main truck check that night. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys go through the air brakes. Um, they wash the trucks. They make sure they're you know ready to go. While that's happening, the people that are planning the, the FDX they go down and they prep them prep for the night, which actually works out perfectly because it gives us more than enough time to prep everything. Yeah, actually not more than enough, just enough. Yeah, um, to prep everything and then we get into it. Mm-hmm. So we head down there. We had the wing. Um, we pulled one of the dummies out. Um, we put the dummy under the wing, so we caught, we we lowered the wing on the dummy, so it was right across his pelvic rail. Nice. So it was like he's and he was pinned, like we pinned him. Oh, yeah. Um. So the scenario what we had that we had laid out was it was going to be a they were working on the truck, so there was four workers inside the building, so we had two live patients and two dummies. They all were alive, 
um, yeah, it's widely presented, but um, some are pulse or have had pulse, and um, but there's two actual live guys in there. Mm-hmm. So um, the scenario that we, because we, we always have to kind of play out the scenario on how it can happen, because mm-hmm. you can't make it super unrealistic. So we made it try to make it like would it have happened? Yeah, probably not exactly like mm-hmm. how we would know. But um, so the scenario was one of the guys was working on the engine um, had a lit a fire, like caused the fire to happen which actually kind of relates back to our fire that we had a few months ago where yeah. we had a, a person working on their car and it, and it and backfired on them and burned them and yeah. lit the garage on fire. So the scenario was the car, the truck caught on fire, the big um, big plow truck caught on fire. Um, one of the workers got badly burnt. The other guy went over to try to turn the truck off and try to shut it down. He accidentally hit the wrong lever. The guy was near the tail end by the wing. He got crushed by the wing. So now he's pinned under the wing. And while this is happening, the room is filling with toxic smoke. So the guy from the after mezzanine, he gets, he passes out because he can't breathe. And then as it, as it carries on, they basically all are now um, semi-conscious. Right. They're having breathing difficulties. Right. So that's kind of how we set up the scenario. Um, cool thing was that shop actually runs its own massive air compressor. Yeah. So we ran, we managed to run the airline out to it and we got to, we hooked up our hoses again to the airline. Um, my fault, I forgot. I grabbed everything, all the fittings. I was trying to do it before any of you guys arrived, so I right. left the hall super early, filled my pickup truck with everything I needed. I forgot the um, double nails, and I forgot the reducers. Right. <laughs> so we're setting the hoses up beforehand, because we had the hoses all laid out nicely, so that way the engine just had to pull in. Wouldn't have to pull any hose line. We could just pick up the hoses off the ground and go um, right. air in the hoses. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, what happened, because I, missed, I was missing the appliances to go on, I was like, eh. Like, oh, this would be a lesson to, uh, and the guys on how to hook up hoses. Yeah. <laughs> so we part of scenario, which caused a little bit of confusion at the beginning, but that was fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then the page, so once that was all set up, we had um, Carrie, who's our FR instructor. Um, she's had an injury, so she came down to assist as kind of the um, FR referee. So she was the one that would tell the guys as they pulled the patient out what they're presenting, um, right. you know, when they check pulse, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of stood off to the side until they got the first patient out. Um, and then we started from there and I did a fake call. Yep. My call was a alarm activation. So um, asking down the truck, the engine, one engine rolled next and the other kind of hung back. Yeah. Because again, on FTX night or scenario night, we we sometimes throw a curveball, like we'll have a second call coming. Yeah. So the guys won't, they shouldn't, and they shouldn't commit every act, like, you know, there's 16 guys at the hall on the practice mm-hmm. night, 20 guys, whatever it was. Yeah. You don't want them to all come down in three trucks just because it's an alarm activation, because that yeah. isn't realistic. That's not realistic. Yeah. So, um, as the engine's coming down, uh, Ash shows up, and I start telling them what we see, and basically I said, you can see black smoke coming from, like, heavy black smoke coming from the garage door, up, up, high up on the garage door. Little bit of gr- um, little bit of puffing, a little bit of black smoke coming from the man door, which is closed, and on the back side also. Mm-hmm. Um, can't see any fire, just black smoke. Yeah. So um, you relayed that, in, I think. About a second yeah. So we relayed that <clears throat> as soon as I got that info. Uh, I gave the scene size up, um, and then asked for a second engine to roll right away. So as soon as we knew that we had smoke, uh, we knew there was fire. I asked for a second engine. Um, and tasked them to secure a, a water source right away, uh, knowing that we were going to be flowing water. Um, didn't want to uh, stop the first engine from doing any sort of work. So uh, not knowing the size of the fire, not, not knowing what the origin was, um, you know, running off a tank, tank water getting line stretched um, was my priority. And then getting a search going. Uh, there was a lot of vehicles parked there, which I mean, I, I know the business from, from work. Um, there's generally a lot of vehicles, but there was a lot of personal uh, no vehicles there as well, um, knowing that some of them were your guys's. But yeah. but also realistic because then it tells you there's workers around, right? For no sure. No one's answering the phone. Yeah, like I said, absolutely. Yeah. Said no one's answering yeah. the phone. Yeah, so I asked if there's a property rep. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things prior to your arrival. I asked if there's a uh, PR had been alerted yet. And dispatch Scott says that uh, um, there's been no answer for a property rep. So no one's answering the phone inside the premises. Uh, you know, going back to again, there's a lot of personal vehicles parked mm-hmm. outside, uh, knowing that okay, this means that either there's people working inside or they're out on the road, right. uh, knowing what it is. But 
the, these things are starting to get related to the people as well. Sure. Um, so yeah, the first truck got on scene and, uh, you know, right away said, Hey, like this is, again, I reiterated what the conditions were. Um, I mentioned that I've already done a 360. Uh, these are going to be your, uh, points of egress and attack. Um, we were going to be going through the front. I asked if there was power because there's a massive garage door. I'm like, Hey, like if it's big fire, small, small fire, we'll see what, uh, the situation is there for uh, power. Um, and no, there was no power to the building. Um, and we got a, uh, initial attack and search crew going immediately. So that happened fairly quickly. I think like the only real hiccup was obviously the, the lines, the lines, which would be, it happened as fast as dragon lines off a truck anyway. Yeah. So there was no major delay. Yeah. I think the guys just, just didn't know what I wanted and they yeah. thought it was part of the scenario. No, mm-hmm. it's not part of the scenario. It's part of, part of me screwing up. Yeah. But also you guys know how to connect these to you guys. So I just quickly like, I want these, I want two, uh, two reducers on those yeah. on that because we had a, a Y. Uh, mm-hmm. Two and a half to two and a half wise, so we just you know, got to put reducers on. And then I crank the air on for them, so now the line to charge, right? Yeah. Um, I, back to the hydrant, like it was, you know, we're obviously not really flowing water, for sure. But we're trying to make it as realistic as possible. So yes. they, they hit the hydrant um, and hook that line up to the yeah. truck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what the uh, once you guys got ready, mm-hmm. um, the first team um, they checked the door, they did everything good, went in and found. Uh, the, the great thing about that shop is we actually put um, garbage bags over the windows, sure. over, so it was black. Like, yeah. We did not need to smoke it out or make anything yeah. smoke or put mm-hmm. bellow clouds. I don't really put bellow clouds over people's heads because it's so, super unrealistic because mm-hmm. you can't use a thermal camera. Sure. You can't use your actual senses like you would actually have in a fire. Like you can't yeah. get down low and be like, I can see like three feet over there. If it's if it's so black that you can't see absolutely at all, then it's probably getting a little bit unsafe because you're not. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if, if it's so dark, <laughs> then it's like, like. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than in certain training instances where, yeah, like, where you're we, trying we to do things them, yeah. real without yeah. vision, yeah. But uh, yeah, for something like this, yeah. and I find that 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 was awesome from everything everybody said. Like, yeah, it was very realistic. It was dark. Yeah. You could see a few feet in front of you, yeah. but without the thermal, you couldn't tell what was on the other side of the building. And the only caveat I told them is you can't turn your helmet lights off. Right. Right. So just make it dark. Yeah. So um, they thermaled it. So as soon as they came in, they they could see a they could see a patient down like. 15 feet in that was one of our live patients so i had set it up so that way the live patient was he was a guy that initially got burnt um he was still conscious and able to to talk intermittently um once they got him out because he was basically the guy that would tell the story right um, so he was the guy that was related back to the captains like oh there's like my coworkers are in there and but you know and to see what the telephone game happened yeah yeah um as it does went in they looked at the truck and they said okay we see a truck i said yeah uh, you can see uh, fire coming from the engine compartment. So um, the nozzle operator, he blasted it with some air because that's what it's shooting out. It's yeah. not firing water, it's shooting out air. So he did two blasts of that. It was so loud in there. I'm like, okay, and then it fires out. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I was going to make the fire not big anyways because I just mm-hmm. wanted it to be really black, smoky, like yeah. just that gross smoke, not like mm-hmm. a, a car fire inside a shop mm-hmm. um, that kind of snuffed itself out. Um, so... They blasted a couple times. They ended up dragging the first patient out, um, got outside, and then they um, handed him off to the FR crew that was out there. Um, the other part was the ambulance was like 30 minute delay. <laughs> they, yeah. were, they were on another call. Yeah. So, um, so they started working on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a cluster because, you know, not, not knowing any patient update, not knowing if there was anybody inside. Uh, and there was a lot of things happening on the outside of the building. Um, I got a writ team established right away, which started out with three to four people. Um, and then as things started to, to <laughs> progress, it made us wake up one guy. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, right up until the very end, until there was no more active fire attack, uh, there was a couple guys on it and then a bunch of people that could jump on and help them. But there was two, two people. So we had JP was kind of, he was the team, team lead for that. I got them to do a secondary 360. Um, and then they were following the guys on the inside. So as they were moving through the building, he was reporting back, hey, I can hear them, they're on the back side of the building now, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we did have a secondary hose line stretched out to um, the Delta corner um, where the rear door entrance was. And the initial thought was gonna to be to push in with the secondary team, um, just with everything happening on the outside. At the moment, it was 
I'm kind of looking around, looking for extra man, manpower. I knew I had two people over there. One was in a pack. If I could have grabbed one extra guy that could be packed up, I was going to make, make that happen. But the first team was doing awesome work. A little bit too much, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, they were getting a little overtaxed. They were yeah, definitely yeah. overtaxed. Um, but at the moment, there wasn't any extra guys in SCBA. Yeah. Um, so, okay, just let's just man that door. Uh, there was somebody on that back backside in SCBA ready to rock. Um, if we had to peel somebody, like had to, had to, we could have made something happen. But that's kind of my only like big kind of takeaway. I wish I could have got that going. Yeah, Black that's staff. kind of the plan. I was, I was thinking they were going to have two guys. You have two search teams going. Yeah. Um, so like, so once the search team was like, the first patient out, they went back in. So now they're crawling along, and they come across the guy that's pinned under the wing. So, and I was, I was interested to see what was going to happen here because I was like, I don't see how bogged down they get. So, and this is where it cut, like, this is where that experience really shines, right? So, because it was two super experienced guys and one of our newer guys. Yeah. So, they come up and they find the guy and they check him. I said, yeah, he's still breathing, pulse, everything. They're like, okay. And they're like, okay, let's get him out. So, they go, <laughs> they're grabbing, they're pulling. I'm like, they, they pull him, and then I guess like one of the guys is like, hey, let me try, because <laughs> I think they thought the guy just couldn't do it, and yeah. then they're like, oh no, he's actually pinned, and then they, they can kind of see because there's enough light, mm-hmm. like, he's pinned under this, this snowplow thing, mm-hmm. so they're kind of looking, they go to lift it, and of course, half the time, it's like, it doesn't even move, Yeah. and uh, one of the senior guys, he's like, he's like, okay, He's like, let's. He's like, let's call him, expect him, let's move on, like triage him, call him, nice. let's move on. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nice. And then uh, one of the other senior guys is like, I'm gonna leave. Okay, we'll leave our flashlight. So he left his flashlight on him mm-hmm. and put the flashlight like shining at him. So like, I let him happen. Like I know we worked with that flashlight on, but I'm like, yeah, that's a good move. He put the flashlight so they knew where he was when they come back through later. So yeah. And they immediately they radioed back, and this is where it gets interesting because um, I can hear what they said. So yeah. I'm I'm in and out, right? So. Mm-hmm. I ran back outside and I asked the captain that's out there. I'm like, what do you hear? I hear anything. Yeah. He's like, I was like, unreadable. So they asked again and then he still doesn't really know what's, and then the guys inside are now searching again. So again, now they're busy. They're back working. So they don't necessarily yeah. hear what he said. So it goes back to that whole radio communications, the first thing to go. Yeah. <laughs> so what ended up happening is basically, I don't think you guys knew that there was a guy pinned in there. No, I um, knew there was an event that, that happened. So I picked up when, when Rob didn't, catch the radio comms yeah. that they stopped 40 feet in or whatever it was. <laughs> so there's something happened at 40 feet mark, yeah. but now they're continuing to search. Yeah. So I went over and I asked Rob, like, Hey Rob, did you catch that, uh, you know, radio comm from the search team? And he says, no, I'm like, they did something. They had to stop at 40 feet and then they progressed in. He's like, okay. So I'm like, when right. they come back out or whatever, figure out whatever that was. Right. And so we had no idea at, at that point yet. Right, so that kind of went on hold for a little bit. Um, they ended up still searching. I think they got to the, then they started going up the upper mezzanine. Um, and then another guy finally got treated up to bump up and bump in because they got on the stairwell, so they went up. And they actually found the upper guy in the mezzanine pretty fast. Um, I can't remember how you guys found out the guy was pinned underneath the, I think one of them. I, I think it was when that was, team was, came, came back out. Little, so still yeah. quite a little ways. Um, so what, then what happened was the, uh, the guy started um, bringing the patient back out. And I was outside. Um, I kept going to Ash. Yeah, it's pretty smoky in there. Because <laughs> Ash is like running around. And you know, it's hard not, it's hard to visualize if you don't see the smoke. So I'm like, yeah. Uh, and Rob's kind of like, is the fire progressing? I'm like, no, the fire's out. Oh, okay. It's just very smoky in there. Very dark, black smoke. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. there's something that can do to get out there. And then Ash is kind of like, uh, he's gonna bring me the fan. <laughs> so, I was like, ah, there we go. <laughs> so it's actually good because they brought the fan over and, and how we train it, and how you're supposed to train um, positive pressure attack because you don't turn a fan on when, when the attack is inside. But there's never, it's not a, it's never a no, don't ever. It's don't do it if there's certain conditions. Yeah. So I was waiting. I was like, oh, is he gonna ask? And then, yeah, you asked. He asked the search team inside. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm gonna turn the fan on. Is it okay? If I do that, like, let, and let me know if the fire condition change at all. And then the, the search team heard him say that. He's like, yeah, we're going to hold here, and we'll let you know. Of course, there's no fire, so the fire condition yeah, fire change. Yeah. So they crank the fan up. As soon as they crank the fan up, I was like, yeah, smoke's starting to lift. You guys can now. So, and it just kind of came to me. I'm like, oh, when the smoke lifts, they can turn their home lights on now. 
So once they turn, once the smoke lifts, I'm like, you guys turn your home lights on now. Mm-hmm. So they turn their home lights on now, they can see the place, right? So basically, the smoke now lifted. They still have the rest of the day on, mm-hmm. but now they can see more. Now they basically see the whole place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they basically got the other patient out. And I think now is when they came out. Um, I think Grant Bell started ringing. Mm-hmm. He came out. And while they're changing on the cylinder, he's chatting to you guys about, yeah. we need to come up with a rescue plan for the guy trapped under the arm. That's right. <laughs> and by this time, because the smoke's now lifted, um, Rob can shine his flashlight in there and he can see what they're dealing yeah. with, the guy trapped under the pin under the arm. Okay. But there's still one patient with him. Mm-hmm. So the search team carried on. They found the last guy, who's our captain. He was the one that was down. He was he's the one that fell out of the truck. So, and the way he was presenting was he was uh, moving around, Fairly active, and as they drug him close to the door, he became less um, reactive. And then finally, as they get to the door, he totally had a cr- like he totally crashed. So by the time they drug him out to the tarp, he was in full of cardiac arrest. And I did that for a reason because I didn't want him to start tackling the arm on the truck because it was his truck. I didn't yeah. like like this thing's a little like a little sketchy right, to bounce. Like it, yeah. it's it's not, but it's like the same that we've never dealt with that thing before. And now we're gonna be in full SDA in the dark sure. trying to do some sort of extrication on this thing. So, um, as soon as we could, we transferred, uh, we threw a CPR gun down and <laughs> pulled that yeah, up. And nice, yeah. Adam uh, donned a, um, a, a vest. And High vest, vest, yeah. The oversee the next operation. Yeah, so then now the guys uh, started calling for more guys. And this is kind of where it was like, okay, we had the same search team did so much searching and so much yeah. pulling. Like, it was, it probably shouldn't have been rotated out. Yes. Um, for a scenario too, to get more guys more chance, but also in real life because those guys are like, going to get fatigued. Absolutely. You know, if this is a real situation, I think they would have probably tapped tapped up because they would have been yeah, like they would have been even more jacked on that one. Yeah. Um. So they actually some of those same guys went back in again, which is good because they have to sh- explain what they saw. And, yeah. Um. So they brought some other guys in, mm-hmm. and one of our guys, he um, he's an autom- autom- autobody or automotive guy. Yeah. Um. And Adam and I actually talked earlier in the night. He's like, we're talking about how to get the how to lift the arm up. And he goes, Well, they can they'll probably they probably go for the lift beds. I was like, Yeah, they probably will. I said they might go for the tools. Which is my idea personally. Like, and, and, and we're and we're kinda of like, well, hopefully they don't go for the tools because they might damage the floor. <laughs> just, yes. just damage wise. Mm-hmm. But we're like, yeah, if they go for the tools, we'll we'll make some reason why they can't use the tools, or we'll make sure they throw down a piece of plywood or something. Yeah. And then um Adam goes, you know, if they were really smart, they would use, <laughs> they would use a floor jack because there's just one sitting over there. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. So they're in there, and again, back to the multiple plans. So um, plan A was the... Um, I asked for the portal. Was, was, the the was the spreading, yeah, yeah. spreader. Mm-hmm. Um, plan B was uh, air, it was the lift bags, which I think was kind of becoming plan A. It was, yeah. And then plan C never had a plan, mm-hmm. but while they're in there looking around, uh, Kevin, one of the guys, the guy I was talking about, mm-hmm. uh, he kind of looks over, he's like, there's a floor jogger over there, what are you zap? And that was like, yeah, like, hey, let's get that try. So while this plan was coming together, while they're making a tool cache of what they're going to do to push inside, mm-hmm. um, literally the dummy comes out and I'm like, boom. And yeah, the floor jack went in, jacked the thing up, pulled them up. Yeah, so one of the back to simple option, always do simple option. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that was a great, like, um, just a great plan, like just simple mm-hmm. plan. It sounds like, yeah, they definitely started troubleshooting. Yeah. You know, and then quickly realize that we always talk about, we always tend to jump to this complex yeah. rescue plan yeah. and then you can scale it down to the, to the simple. To the easiest thing. Yeah. yeah we chatted about that, like, like on river poles, yeah. you know, when you swift water, um, you so have your, complex. <laughs> you, you start with your simple, but you're thinking big in yeah. the, in the background. Right. So mm-hmm. making sure that we had all the tools to the door while they were coming up with a plan. Like we didn't mm-hmm. even know that it was happening. Yeah. So we, we were going to try to come up with. A simple plan with the tools, you know, I said, let's get um, airbags, let's get uh, the portable spreaders coming in, let's get everything here, and then we'll figure out what, what happens mm-hmm. when, you know, we speak with the guys on on the inside. I want all of the stuff at the ready so they can come and grab whatever they need right. or pass off to whoever else is going to go back in with whatever is uh, required. I think that really is that true leader's intent. Because, mm-hmm. like, the leader's intent is get that guy from out of that, from out of that wing of that, yeah. of that snow bomb. Um, don't care how it's done. These are the plans we're coming, coming up with. Like everybody throwing their, their two bits. Yeah. And that was one of them. Um, the other thing that was happening while they were getting the floor jack, um, one of our guys who's a, 
He's an FR guy. Like he's, he's been around quite a long time, and he, and he actually witnessed another guy get crushed mm-hmm. by a machine similar. Yeah. Um, so he actually, what he did, he gave basically a public. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uh, improvised pelvic binding out of a rescue strap and strapped it up super tight and bound his pelvis. So when they pulled him out, he was like, at least had some, a little bit of hope. <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I heard they, someone, someone used the word tourniquet. They said, oh, he tourniqueted his legs. I'm like, tourniqueted his legs. His, his pelvis was pinned. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when they brought him out, I'm like, ah, they're binding his pelvis. <laughs> I see what they're doing. Which yeah. pelvic binding is essentially like a tourniquet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, someone said tourniquet. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, Same well, that was the initial, um, Say so like, hey, it's crushed on his legs. Yeah. Maybe we can strap a tourniquet. Right. Um, and then the update com- comes in. You're like, no, it's above the waistline. Right. Like, this is bad. Or mm-hmm. on the waistline. Mm-hmm. So, and I like to say, I'm trying to find it that way. It was literally how I slid the dummy in and then added yeah. <laughs> put the boom on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> just stuck there yeah. now. <laughs> really good thinking that if it was just the legs, thinking yes. of being progressive crush- mm-hmm. for a crush syndrome, yeah. right? And yeah. You know, hey, we need to apply these for hemorrhage or whatever we see prior yeah. to the extrication. Mm-hmm. So it's good they're thinking of that. Yep. Yeah, so guys are definitely thinking ahead on a lot of things. I think with that with that sim, it went really, really well uh, in you know the point that there were there was guys, some really key senior firefighters, um, that made some awesome calls on the fly. And it's not like we want guys to go in there and freelance. You know, they're working off of that commander's intent. There, you know, we need this guy to get out. Okay, like let's think on our feet here. Yeah. Let's use what's around. Okay, let's grab that. You know, hey, this this person has some major crush injuries. Like, what can we do to improvise? Like, we're obviously not going to bring in pieces of kit off of the ambulance inside yeah. here in a ideal environment. Okay, let's use what we have to give this person the best chance of uh, survival. Yeah. So, a couple awesome things happened there. Yeah. That I, I think it was, you know, really really wicked. Awesome to uh, you know point out. We chatted about it in the uh, debrief afterwards, which which went really well. A lot of guys had some some pretty key inputs there. And, you know, again, it was just it was an awesome scenario. Um, I say everybody worked really hard. Uh, people tried to find a hole to fill, um, rather than just kind of milling about. I don't think we we really don't get a lot of that. Um, everybody was willing to work. Um, I gave our guys on RIP a pretty good. Pat on the back. Yeah. They were active the entire time, without being directly related to the search or the fire attack or whatever. And they were saying how hard it is because they're you know they're ripped, so they're like you know mm-hmm. you guys needed more help, more manpower, but we yeah. were ripped. We can't just mm-hmm. jump in there. So it was yeah. good. Yeah, they did. A, they did a good 360. And I even asked her in the debrief. I asked, yeah. uh, "What did you see?" So what what did you see on the rip? He's like, "Well, in the back we got there's some chemicals and." Um, I, I can't remember everything he said. Um, he said where the gas line was, power. Um, he said there's a window over there where we could have breached. Yeah. He said I could also hear the guys working on the after mm-hmm. So if we had to, we could cut in there. But that's good. good. So yeah. it was all like it was all right there. Mm-hmm. And he was been really good at bringing all all that info back to me. So like as they're working, he he was bringing that 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 back. And that was one thing that I I really tried to do was stay as centralized as possible. When I got there, um, I like even over the radio vocalized where I was going to be setting up command. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I will be setting up command uh, in front of Scott, Scott's track. <laughs> so yeah, right. that was my spot. And then as the scene progressed, like now our tarp was getting thrown there. And it was just getting busier and busier. So I moved myself yeah. directly across the parking lot, which is still very, very visible to everybody. Yeah, like every time I came out as the kind of the referee for the game, I could mm-hmm. find you. Right? Yeah. Sorry, no, yeah. I could yeah. find you the uh, mm-hmm. I can find you every time, which is what you need to be. Like, yeah. like this whole like the guy st- like we were joking. There's yeah. a, I don't even was it a joke that I made in that, in that class, or did he actually le- legit want the guy the ICS stay in that four foot box? Yeah, no, that's what that's what they're asking. Because like, yeah, he like he jokingly called it the commander's pallet, like he should mm-hmm. be standing on his pallet, and mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, I don't really agree with that because like you got to move around a little bit, like, and it was yeah. always like I come out and I can find like oh okay, Ash move twenty feet, we'll go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the scene progresses right to talk yeah. to some of your officers, and stuff. yeah. So and, like, and that's just it, right? Like you poke, poke in, and have a quick chat with Rob, because again, comms are garbage, and I don't need the interior team to be listening to mine and Rob's chat. Yeah. So I poke up to the door. Have a face to face with Rob, walk twenty feet back, and I'm back where I want to be. Mm-hmm. There was a discussion on because we don't have radio protocol on when to switch over. Like mm-hmm. I know you guys have, you guys switch. Uh, we switch our attack, 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 attack right away. Um, we haven't gotten there yet, and 
there are times I think like this would be the perfect time, mm-hmm. and I don't think it needs. I don't think it needs to be a, a thing we always do. No, but I think in this case when they're going to do a search like that, yeah, yeah, because um, even the guys talk about it later, like we should switch over to attack channel. Yeah, and that could easily be the captain being like, "Hey guys, this is gonna be a lot of chatter tonight. Let's mm-hmm. switch over to attack too." Yeah. Um, what I think on like other calls, like like we just came back from an MBI call. Yeah. I think having guys on tack two and then like that wouldn't work. Like no, like having everybody on because there wasn't a lot of chatter. Like other than flowing yeah. traffic, like that's yeah. the only. Other than the traffic flowing traffic, yeah. let's get those guys on tack. But so there's yeah. a lot of valuable information that was happening tonight yeah. on our accident. Um, like there's yeah, power lines yeah, down. There was a patient here. trapped. Yeah. Everybody should be involved and in being able to hear. Hey, like we're not sure if these power lines are uh, yeah. energized or not. Like. That these are comms that you want everybody on on yeah. scene to yeah. you know be so, aware of real time. So the guys are talking like, yeah, we could have, uh, and I think one of them said, I thought we were, <laughs> we were switching the tactile. <laughs> but it's good. Comms are great. It's quiet. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I was super quiet on my comms. <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, like um, what we try to do now in our in our debriefs is um, there's this, this elementary school. Um, Thing called two stars and a wish. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first heard it, I heard it my other job, and my uh, uh, my boss had told me about it. He's his wife's uh, school teacher, mm-hmm. and I laughed at him. <laughs> I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he's like, no, he's like, it's, it's it's. I said, so it's kind of like a shit sandwich. Only shit sandwiches don't really work that well. Right. Like this is for giving uh, giving feedback. Mm-hmm. So two stars and a wish is like, uh, no, for little kids, it's like, hey, hey little Johnny, you did really go to this. You did really good on that. I wish maybe next time you do this. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting, right? So we kind of took it where like, I took it and I think everyone's kind of rolling with it now. Yeah. To now it's more like Jocko style. Like, so it's two stars. We still follow two stars, no wish. Two stars, like, hey, uh, and I gave both my stars to the guy that came up with the idea to lift, use, use a lift jack yeah. or to use a floor jack. Kind of jokingly, I also said, you know, he gets a star and the search team gets a star because they were working their ass off. So. Yeah. So I give two stars. On my other thing, um, my wish was I would have set the hoses up properly. Mm-hmm. So I don't wish Ashley did better. Right. I wish something that I could have done better in this right. scenario mm-hmm. or in, yeah. in the scene. So not really, you're taking ownership of the problem you did. Yeah. And then everybody that talks mm-hmm. should take ownership of one of their issues. So yeah. like Rob took ownership and something, I forget, not getting enough manpower right away. I forget yeah. what Rob's wrong. And my thing was the search, or the uh, secondary search. Yeah. So I think that actually is it's, it's we're starting to use it. And yeah. And at first, like I said, I thought it was kind of dumb, but actually, that's it's a really I like the way you do it now because mm-hmm. it gives you the it gives the two guys the guys that did the work. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and then it shows that oh yeah, but also I'm flawed because of this happened. Mm-hmm. And then you're not pointing fingers at anybody; you're pointing fingers at yourself. That's right. And you're you're giving praise to the other two, or the other guys. Yeah. Well, not only that, it, it's giving everybody else that uh, accountability. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. self accountability to so, realize, hey, this is where I could have made a different effort. So normally in debriefs, we don't go around the entire room. Like, and we have twenty guys who've been there for three yeah. hours. And hey, what do you think about this next scenario? So um, normally it's the officers that give the uh, feedback, or guys are directly like something happened, like in yeah. the scenario. Like I asked the search team what they thought. Yeah. So that's you know the two stars on the wish thing. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the way that like every. Every team, team lead, every captain or whatever will uh, go around. Uh, generally, if you set up the scenario like this one with Scott, um, you'll give a, a bit of a, hey, yeah, like this is, so every, everybody has a thing. This is the story. This is exactly what was set up. Uh, this is what we saw. Um, you give your two stars and a wish. And then, um, as the ICI did mine, uh, we, we would, you know, went around to the officers and, um, and then threw it out at the end. You know, I always like to give an opportunity to the floor and say, like, hey, like, if there's something that somebody noticed, um, you know, speak now. Like, this is a great opportunity to either give props to maybe even something small that, like, we didn't notice, but somebody came up with something really good. Uh, or if there's something that we stumbled on or something that maybe got missed, like, don't hesitate and don't, like, bring it back to the hall and sit around afterwards and be like, oh, yeah, man, like, actually, I noticed it. We actually forgot this. Like, that's counterproductive to chat about it later. Let's get that out in front of everybody so we can learn from these things. Um, one of our guys, and you remember, afterwards, and I, actually, I didn't give him shit, but I was like, man, like you got to speak up in these moments uh, because you, had, you were holding key, valuable information that nobody knew about until after the scenario was over. And 
it was the nozzleman who knows that building layout with his eyes closed because he's there two or three times a day. Uh, right? So he says, yeah, like, I knew that there was an office over here, there was a washroom, I knew there was an upstairs, blah, blah, blah. And he was on the search team, and actually the search team wasn't even aware that he knew these things. So he was just going in there, doing his thing. He knew, so he was doing his thing, knowing, yeah, okay, there's this stuff over here. Okay, yeah, oh, this is a thing. So they're doing their thing. But I said, hey, it'd be really, really valuable to say, hey, guys, like, I'm here he's shit time. As you're masking up. As you're masking up. That's what we're going to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, guys, there's, there's some stairs on the Charlie. There's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, whatever you want to put out there. But just a quick, like, hey, this is what we're, uh, you know, potentially going to run into. They do a ton of work on heavy equipment in there. Right. Uh, we're not sure. You know, maybe there's a truck in there. Maybe it's empty. Like, we have no idea. But I've been, I've been here a bunch. Right? So I'm like, hey, like, speak up. Like, taking ownership in front of the group is a huge thing. Yeah. Like, if people see that everybody is, you know, just as capable, like, what do they say? Like, you point like this because there's more fingers looking at you. Yeah. Like, if you say, like, hey, like, as a leader, as a senior firefighter, or as a junior, if you're willing to say, hey, guys, like, I noticed this, it empowers other people to say, hey, like, ownership's a hell of a thing. And then we can discuss it. And then all of us as a group learn learn from it, right? So right. we had a really good chat about that afterwards. And it was a great teachable moment. And he says, yeah, I'm going to do my best to speak up in that next time so nice. it was still a learning moment for him but right. that could in turn have been a learning moment for the 20 other people that were standing there yeah so all all in all really really good though awesome yeah well it sounded like a really 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 fun practice you know there, there's a lot of uh a lot of technical yeah technical it was uh it was a like it wasn't a hard one to set up but it was a, there was a lot of working parts mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that like like I was a terrible dispatcher. <laughs> Dispatch didn't give a shit about my updates. Because <laughs> I'm trying to, I, and, after, and that's another wish I would have had. Like, I should have found another person that was, like, because mm-hmm. we had a couple of guys on injury list right now. Yeah. Um, one of the guys is actually running the pump on the truck, yeah. which wasn't running, because <laughs> they weren't running water. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I should have grabbed one of the guys that was, like, on injured list and be like, hey, can you be my dispatcher for the night? Yeah. Because, um, because when you're when you're trying to referee, like I call it referee, when you're trying to do these, mm-hmm. you run the scenario and watch what the search team's doing, and then they ask you a question when you're inside, and then, but then I have to turn the radio down so I can hear what they're saying because they're talking, yeah. and so there's yeah. no squelch, and, um, and then he, I come out and, and he's like, I was trying to talk to the dispatcher, he's asking, I'm like, ah, thank <laughs> so yeah, it's it's pretty hard to be the dispatcher. I was thinking about that afterwards. So exactly like Scott was just saying there, having some of our guys that are on the old injured reserve list. Um, it would be cool to have them either at the hall, at home, I don't care where, where they are, sat in the truck yeah. on like on the other side of the driveway yeah. with a notepad mm-hmm. and like do that timestamp like like or, it, yeah. or actually record it, right? Um, and then like that's some some really good debrief, right? Like, hey, like you know, at whatever, nineteen oh three you're on scene. At nineteen fifteen you're making yeah. the first push. Like whatever it takes. If it's three minutes, if it's five minutes if it's a minute like all of these time time stamps mm-hmm. um you know at whatever time like it took however long for you to clue in and ask yeah. for ehs because this was an alarm call and yeah. 35 minutes later and the first patient's coming out and now yeah. you're finally asking for it. that yeah. didn't happen but you know like <laughs> yeah and, so, and once you realize there's four that you, you ask for them yeah, then yeah right yeah. so I was updating the amount of patients. So that was some of that telephone tag that was happening from the inside to the outside is the breakdown was, as I see, I thought there was three patients, not the first patient out Plus and three more. Three more. Right. So I wasn't even aware that there was four in total patients. Well, and then the information you're getting from the guy, he might have said, be off. he might yeah. have said three. I think That's he right. might have said three. Mm-hmm. And he went, there was three more in there. Right. Um, but he's also panicked and he might have forgot about the guy in the after medicine. Yeah, that's right. That's why he was security sir. Yes, that's why he did a second push. And that helps a lot too, like for your debriefs and stuff as well. Yeah. Like, and it makes it a bit more realistic. So like when we do tabletop uh, exercises for ESM stuff, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we're doing. One person's role is the dispatcher and scribe. Right. Yeah. So you're writing all that stuff down right. and um, and you just play it on the table just as we would with radio comms. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah, if you're asking for a 10 minute, 10 minute timer, they're, they're writing it, they start a timer. Yeah, hey, command, blah, 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 it's your, your time is up, do you want another one? 
Uh, and when you're updating dispatch saying, hey, you know, primary search is clear, secondary search fire struck, you know, mm -hmm. like they're making all those notes. And then when you can look back at the end of the call and think, oh man, we're pretty efficient. Actually, this is our time frame. Yeah. Just overall awareness mm -hmm. of the event, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think next one, I'm going to do one of those. I'm going to try to find somebody. Yeah, it, might, it, might, it might, sorry, uh, command staff, it might be one of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pull us out. So, yeah, not, no, not, no, command staff. Not, oh. not, not captains. Yeah. <laughs> like Perfect. chief, deputy chief. Perfect. Like one of those guys might get pulled mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good idea. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, speaking of command staff, <laughs> so the chief is at practice, but uh, like I was going to be IC, deputy chief was there, and like he had had a pretty busy day or whatever. So he's like, oh, like, do you guys need me? They're like, ah, I mean, yes or no. He's like, ah, I'll sit, I'll sit this, this one out. I'm going to stick around here, do a little bit of work. Yeah, literally, I'm going to say that. Next, yeah. <laughs> next, and next thing you know, know, he's like, ah, I couldn't stay away. <laughs> yeah. But he was completely out of the scenario. Like yeah. he so he would have been a good dispatch. He would have been an amazing dispatch, yeah. Could have sat in his car and stayed warm. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely warmer than it was tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, really... my figures were very uh, going down last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, definitely swapped out to my to my fire gear once yeah. everything was going because it was chilly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like minus like nine ten or whatever. Yeah, so, so, so. yeah. We get back in the truck. I was driving one of the guys, and he's like, "Ah, it's not that cold." Minus three. I'm like, "This thing's been idling on the side of the road. The entire truck's <laughs> off." <laughs> we start to drive. It's like three, four, five, <laughs> seven, nine. Like, ah, there. It's getting yeah. cold now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so scenario-wise, I, I, like, I like running them once a month. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a lot of work to run a scenario and an exercise like that. It's yeah. like, and then to try to find something that fits, right, without constantly redoing them. Yeah. Um, but, but it doesn't always have to be what we trained either. I mean, we train a lot, so... Um, I find what works best is if you either do something that you just trained, yeah. or you set the scenario for what you're about to train. Yeah, so, so you can catch weaknesses or like places, not even weaknesses, just things that you, we can improve on. Mm -hmm. A nice yeah. way to say weakness. Um, <laughs> a wish. Uh, a wish, a wish. <laughs> yeah. You, you can find your wishes early and then you go work on it for the next couple you know, sessions, right? Yeah. So it, it definitely gives a lot of opportunity um, to either look back or to look forward on the next couple of training exercises. Yeah. But yeah and the, the one thing I can offer people is, is that if you're, if you're doing truck checks monthly, mm -hmm. Um, it's actually because we, we were trying to figure out a way to do because other truck checks were kind of lagging. We 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 weren't doing them monthly. We because we, the guys like to train so much, and then uh, we were talking about them, and I was like, well, these scenarios are they they're actually fairly short. They're like they run like a call, so yeah. they're not a three hour practice. So you, you know they're usually over an hour. Yeah. Most calls are actually only an hour. Um, so I said, well, the scenarios are usually pretty short. So do the truck check. And yep. what it does is it guys know the scenario night, so guys want to come for scenario night. Yeah. If they knew it was truck check night, I suspect we'd have five guys there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but if they, if because if you guys just have a truck check every month, you still do that? No. So what we do now is we do a truck check uh, every Before. practice yeah. prior to the start of practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it started off great. A lot of people. Then it's usually <laughs> the same kind of four or five, yeah. and then it, about quarter quarter two. Then more guys trickle in, and if stuff's not done, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You have 15 minutes to complete. Yeah. Yeah. So this way, like, I, I find, like, you know, guys know it's scenario night, so they're, they're here, yeah. and they're like, okay, we have to do a little bit of boring stuff, and then the scenario's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a really good way to do things. Um, it is, yeah. Because, yeah, you know, like, we had, like, 18 people on that call. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how fast I get got eaten up. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of it was because there was no paramedics there. Yes. Um, because, you know, every patient, you know, there's two guys on them. Yeah, minimum on one guy, even yeah. once once they were yeah. semi-stable, you still had a guy, you know, monitoring because some of the airway yeah. you know, issues or whatever. And there's, you know, of course, the trucks that rolled, uh, one was a rescue truck, but the first two were the engines. They have first aid kits, but they don't have full, like, they don't have kit. the first yeah. uh, the FR kit on them because that's not normally what we rolled in FR goal. So they kind of had to piece together, like, they only had, like, one or two cylinder between between like mm -hmm. three patients that are or four patients that needed it. Yeah. So they had to like kind of triage who gets the O2. Yeah. Um and then um then they had to like, okay, well this guy's now going to cardiac arrest. Do we work on him or do we let him you know, yeah, think about the FR triaging? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. So that is a lot of manpower. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely the FR TARP 
was full. Was full of people, like, was full of patients, and then full of people working. Yeah. So, I mean, that was definitely a busy section. And that, that comes back to, like, trying to figure out, like, who's working, who's not, not working. So, I think a lot of people started to congregate over by the FR section for secondary hands. Like, okay, if this person crashes, like, they're going to need some hands. So there's a lot of people that were milling about there at the end yeah. of the sim. Because I went down and looked, there was like four guys, uh, well, they were CPR, so they were mm-hmm. working on yeah. one to one division. So as soon as you start doing CPR, like you don't want one or two guys, you want a couple in the wing, you know, ready to mm-hmm. do a hot, hot swap there, right? So, but yeah, again, I think awesome scenario. Um, you know, a lot of things were learned. There's tons of stars. A yeah. lot of guys worked really yeah. hard. Everybody worked hard. A couple guys worked really hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think we all took a couple things away from it. So nice. The only thing I forgot that uh, I, don't, I know we we're gonna talk about maybe um, I was gonna talk about the um, return with the other department, right? And uh, and mm-hmm. fire. Definitely. And yeah, we, we, we talked about it. Touch on that too. No, we didn't. Yeah. So we so was that the other department from the north comes down and train with us um, quite up quite regularly. Um, so the first time we kind of talked about it was you know it was, it was their senior guys. Mm-hmm. This, Second time it was um, three like really new people, yeah, and then two of their senior guys. So um, we kind of took a step back. We we did the cool start with them. Um, Ashley Ashley to talk on that. So you know we we right from um, putting the, the tractor torch in the on the fuel, which took a lot longer because it was yeah. cold, and I also soaked the pallets a little bit, showing them how to do wall ceiling wall, <laughs> the old attack on the hallway. Um, so it took a while for that to get going, but um, really good experience on that side. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the major takeaways they got wasn't even inside the building. Is they came out and um, what typically happens is uh, you know the, a lot of people still run pistol grips. I mean, we still pistol grip a lot of ours. Yeah, we've slowly been taking pistol grips off of our nozzles because we just find people are using them. They they yeah. you know they grab them and then it's slowly they're there, they're back under yeah. their armpit and then it, it's yeah, true. So what typically happens with new people, we were watching um, watching the new people and one of the people was uh, was fairly small. Yeah. Like, like she was like um, definitely not a massive person. Mm-hmm. So watching her, she choked up on the nozzle and kind of not like having the best control. So we brought her out of the building um, and we were waiting for the fire to build back up. So we had a chat on mm-hmm. nozzle control and you know, how best to hold and Know, have the tail out so you can um, you have more control. They're getting it, they were running it, but you can still see the nervousness in them, um, especially the, the one smaller female. Yeah, and so, um, I said to Ash, I said, let's pull the two and a half off, and run the two and a half. Okay, so we're about the old two and a half, and <laughs> watching them, they're like, this? Yeah. <laughs> even their two senior guys, because one, one of their guys was a captain, and I'm like, we're gonna run the two and a half. And they're like, okay. So they're thinking we're going to run the two, two and a half, like, with, Classic, two, or, yeah. with two or three people holding the two and a half. I said, no, everybody's going to, you guys are going to run the two and a half solo. They're like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, yeah. I'm like, this doesn't always happen. I said, and, you know, obviously if you have the manpower, it's better to run with two people. But I said, all of, all of our guys have to, to get the little check mark, run the two and a half solo. Hmm. Oh. So we got it all lined up and, and it just, I, you know, I just wanted to demonstrate them. It's all about technique, like elbow into the thigh and hold it like the Jimmy Hendrix, we call it. And mm-hmm. you know, just getting set in nice uh, wide stance and, you know, um, ran it, showing that you can run it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I showed them kneeling, like from the, um, the client position, like into the sky, let the, let the ground take the reaction of the nozzle. Yeah. Um, so we had their, I think all of them, three of them? I, was it, I know two of them did for sure. Um, three. three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, one of the the other more senior firefighter, but yeah, not yeah. the uh, captain. Mm-hmm. So they all uh, three of them ran the two and a half by themselves, including yeah. the, the smaller uh, the smaller uh, female. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did it awesome, and then yeah. basically, I think you kind of had your hand just on the tail end of the just in case, yeah, just in case. But mm-hmm. you were only taking in your nozzle reaction zero, and then almost instantly put her back on the inch and a half, and it was like. That was yeah. easy. Like, so, so, more confidence. Yeah, so um, I was talking to one of the senior guys when he went back. I was talking to him the next day. I said, yeah, yeah. I didn't really like that. He's like, well, it was awesome. He goes, uh, he goes, especially with her, 
he goes, um, we go back to the hall, and he says, yeah, the training officer, he wasn't down. So he said, hey, what did you guys do? And he's like, oh, it's this and this and this. And then uh, Scott got so-and-so to run the two and a half by herself. He's like, he did what? Because <laughs> like, he's like, how do you, how did they do that? That's not a normal thing. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, like, he explained, like, it's not a normal thing, but it's a normal, like, that's how you gain confidence. And, you know, just all about technique. And so he's like, wow. Like, he's like, that's crazy. And I guess, like, that probably boosts their confidence up a sure lot, did. right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so even if you're not, it's not a common place to run that two and a half, um, it, it definitely boosts people's yeah. confidence in, in running smaller novels. Mm-hmm. And it just teaches that, that ability of, of positioning how important it is, right? Yeah. Because as soon as you start getting out of position on two and a half, it's really going to kick your ass. Yeah, sure. So get learning, yeah, yeah. learning how to get yeah. set up for it and, and work with it, then you move on to the inch and three quarter, inch and a half, yeah. and use those same techniques. Yeah. It, just, it builds. It feels like you're, it literally feels like you're running a garden. I was like, the inch and a half, I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I remember when I first started, the inch and a half, I was like, oh, this thing's intimidating. It's crazy. And then yeah. now it's like, we like um, we literally chat to the other guy when we're running two and a half or they oh, chat. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like they couldn't grasp that. So while you were setting that up, I was flowing water and like showing them the te- you know the entire tech technique of like getting you you know yourself down like Scott says, burying it you know right into your waist there, like getting it lodged in, getting that nozzle way out in front of you, and I'm sitting there chatting to them I'm like completely with one one hand. I'm like I can rest it on my palm i'm not even mm-hmm. holding the nozzle anymore it's literally just spraying water resting on my palm and they're like yeah like how are you doing that right now because i'm taking i'm pinning it and my body is taking the reaction mm-hmm. not my hands so as long as i'm positioned stable everything's stable yeah. and i'm like and worst case so i'm like if if i start if this is way out here and I start to lose any control, it's going to push back towards me, right? They're like, yep. Yeah. So I start to let the nozzle now slip back, slip back. And as it gets to me, what happens? The bail closes. Yeah. Because now it's closing and that uh, you know, nozzle pressure reaction coming back is going to close that, mm-hmm. that bail. I'm like, you are as safe as possible with that way out there. And if for whatever reason you start to lose control and it starts to come towards you, the natural reaction is going to be to close that they're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. So they got that in their mind heading over, and then they ended up running it solo. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think amazing. There's a couple of you know, really good takeaways that you know happen from some really fresh recruits there. Uh, we had a uh, low air alarm that happened when they were going inside. Um, we were on probably... They were inside, right? Yeah. yeah. So like cycle number four, four or five, and uh, one of their alarms... Uh, low air alarm starts starts to ring, and I, I could tell like they haven't. I, this was one of their first or their first live fire experiences. Yeah, um, definitely the first thing. And like I don't want to say the panic set in, but like the oh shit, I need to get out now, right? So I could see like uh, and like they wanted to like get up and walk out, and I was kind of like crouched over top watching them, in, you know, instructing. Um, I just leaned over, put put my hand on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, I'm almost out of air. I'm like, nope. You got a lot of time, but you're making the right call. Let's get out. Okay, what do I do? I'm like, well, there's a hose line. We're just going to follow it up. Okay. So they settle down, turn around, and just kind of every second step, they're either stepping next to it or touch, touch, touch. So they kept, kept in touch with the hose line. After a couple steps, it got really clear, and then they could see the door. And they popped up and walked out. And uh, on that rotation, <laughs> just to show the difference, maybe I shouldn't have, but I'm about to walk in the door. Ding, 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 <laughs> And I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. And Scott's like, hang on, hang on. I'm like, yeah, okay, 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 okay. So we've got the G1s with the uh, quick, yeah, the old yeah. quick uh, connectors there. So 20 seconds. I'm down, <laughs> done, and I'm back, back in. And again, guys are like, "What? There's none of this." Yeah, yeah, that, that quick enough on that G one is awesome. <laughs> yeah, like I was thinking, out. Yeah. that was like 20 seconds. It was awesome. So, um, yeah, like really wanted to highlight the fact that for somebody that had never been in a burn burn building before, never been in live fire, to imagine that they're running out of air, yeah. which then brought in that whole talking point of, like, yes, like. 
you're running out of air. Like the alarm is there for a reason. You're getting low. But to panic mm -hmm. and then like either stand up or yeah. or just panic, period, you're going to start consuming more of that air. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if, hey, okay, that's my friendly reminder. Like, hey, buddy, this lifeline that I'm giving yeah. you, it's limited. It's limited from the moment that you go in. But now it's really limited. So what am I going to do? I'm going to start to work my way out. You know, if I'm two seconds away from finishing the task, I'm just going to finish the task and then leave. But if there's still plenty of work to be done, I'm going to let my team know, hey, guys, I'm ringing. Okay, copy that. We're going to let outside know, hey, I'm ringing. I'm, I'm on my way out. Or if Scott's the uh, captain, Scott, I'm out. Okay, yeah. copy. He's going to let them know one, one firefighter coming out. I'm going to mosey out on that line get myself swapped out they might already have somebody fresh coming in so they might see see me at the door as i come out um but keep keeping yourself calm and not you know working yourself up getting you know really anxious about it and scott also told the story of yeah, but don't but don't trust your bell i mean uh, the, the, the whole thing is the bad news is you're almost out of air yeah but the good news is you're almost out of air yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. you're still there um, yeah yeah and then yeah the story i told them was you know the time when it was uh Actually, it was around the same temperature. Frozen uh, up. Yep. Frozen up, and then the insulation landed in my bell. Froze my bell solid, and you know I wasn't want modern in my gauge like I should have been. And all of a sudden, the guy in front of me's bell starts going off. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Usually my <laughs> usually my bell rings be before his, and then <laughs> mass sucks in my face. Oh, I'm out of air <laughs> because I the bell wasn't ringing, and I had me look at my uh, my my gauge. So. Mm -hmm. Quickly, you know, but the, again, don't panic because don't panic with your, your mask off in the LH environment. Yeah. I just held my breath, turned around, followed the hose line. I was on the second floor, second story. And basically I like sealed, like, like, a, not, not a Navy seal, like a seal. Like a dolphin dive. Like a seal in a, like a seal in, in a zoo. I sealed down the stairs. <laughs> not, not a dolphin. <laughs> Right to the bottom, and then I stood up and walked out the front door to pull my mask off. And the guy at the door was like, what? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, what? But he watched me do it the whole way down. He's like, what's that's he awesome. doing? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good reminder, though. In the really training, is. training environments like that is is how to just to stay calm if something totally goes south and how to safely get out. Right? Yeah. Conserve your air and get out. And that's why also in the colder weather temperatures, if you can't think of a decent practice to do because you don't have a burn building or training center or something. Work on some some air consumption drills inside yeah, sure. and get comfortable to, hey, it's been the worst day of my life now. You're out of air. Yeah. What are you going to do to survive? Yeah. So those air consumption drills are huge. Mm. Yeah. yeah, knowing your time, knowing, um, you know, if you don't train in those low air environments, um, like where you are running out of air, knowing how far you can go with it. Like do a dry land, like do it yeah. in the truck bay. Just yeah. walk around dinging and see how long, like as soon as you start to ding and like get yourself worked up so you're actually consuming air. Mm -hmm. um, and then get it where it starts to ding and then see how many laps you, you, you can do while it dings and then see how far you can go once it stops dinging. Mm -hmm. We had uh, way back, we had one training officer back in the day where we would uh, we'd air up at the fire hall and go for a run up Main Street, around the Timmies, back around, climb over mm -hmm. some blocks, you know, back out and see just for see how long our air would last under right. strenuous environments. And then once the bell started going off, see if you can make it back. Right. So mm -hmm. again, just just practice that air consumption. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a lot of good wins. I mean, those, those training nights are always fun when you have sure. a, a very mixed um, a crew like that. So. Yep. Mm -hmm. And again, like we all like they were. Very, very happy, you know, thank, thanking us, like, oh, it's crazy that you guys come out and do this for us, like, we really appreciate it. Um, and then we just flipped it right right back around and showed some of our, and we had a bit of a mixed bag of guys that were there helping us. And we're like, as much as this helps you, like, this is doing tremendous things for our guys as well. Absolutely. So we've, we've got some, like, a mixed variety of rookie to, you know, getting towards, you know, senior, uh, senior firefighter there. And then more of a senior firefighter that was on the, the old, uh, reserve list again. Right. So, you know, we're all watching the skill set and the confidence that this is bringing to our guys 
I mean, I take it back to when I was a rookie, and anytime that there was extra training, yeah. hey, we're going to bring this these guys in. Hey, we're going to do this. I'm in. Is mm-hmm. any experience that you can get just gets that stress inoculation down? Um, and training other people is a lot different than training your own people. Well, you're going to know 100% that you teach. Yeah. yeah. And when you're not, like, when you're not the one training, like, mm-hmm. so they're, they don't, like, they didn't need to be there. So they're, like, our guys. Yeah. They showed up to help. They are not there. Like, we're not having the nozzle being like, okay, this is what you're doing. And give them 20 things that yeah. they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They literally, it's like they can take a step back. It's, it's like the yeah. proper thing. They can take a step back from the situation. So they're detached from the scene. That's right. So now, by being detached, they actually see, they can, they can probably, probably listen to us more because now they're like, oh, yeah. oh I didn't hear them say that before. Mm-hmm. Because they're thinking, because when, when, we're, when we're teaching them, they're thinking, okay, what do I do? Meanwhile, I'm like a talking head, ma, 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 and they're like, <laughs> okay, so I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do, oh, oh what did you say? Oh, I missed what he said. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just pretend I, I'll pretend I, I know what he said. <laughs> Whereas in this way, they're already detached, so they maybe they're not listening to everything I say, but now they're more detached. Mm. They can hear, and then they watch the person do it, and then when yeah. you watch them, you watch, you're like, oh, they did that, they did that differently, or they did that wrong, oh, I wonder how this is gonna play out. Yeah. yeah, so you can watch because they're we use them as text, our guys. Yeah. So like when they show up, they're they're they like text. So they they load the pallets, then they can just kind of chill out in the back and yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. safety. They yeah, they just sit in the back of the burn building and watch yeah. people roll through and make sure no one's panicking and help them out if they need help. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, I love having those guys down. Uh I'm sure they're gonna be back yep. a time during uh burning season. Um yeah. oh, yeah, I got a call. All right. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> All right, we're back from a quick alarm call. Until I went home because it's midnight. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're just going to go straight into our shoutouts. Uh, let's talk about uh, Modus, Scott. Modus, Snagger Tool, um, Door Wedges, a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> DMF5. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> it's midnight, yeah. Um, you know the Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Manscaped, we are wrapping up uh, Firefighter Cancer Awareness Month. I've just posted up another quick blurb about the uh, pros of Manscaped product. Uh, keep keeping yourself clean. Uh, Manscaped's definitely right on board for that. Um, check them out. We're using the uh, Lawnmower 4.0, uh, the Weed Whacker, um, and they've got a ton of new product coming out there. Um, Check out their social medias for that. Uh, and if you uh, are so inclined to get 20% off, DTFF20 is going to get you 20% on your order uh, and free shipping. Uh, so make sure you use that uh, as we round out Firefighter Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, big help for yourself and big help for us. Uh, Manscaped. Uh, stop. stop the bleed. Yep, stop it. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, three methods of uh, bleeding control are uh, direct pressure, wound packing, and tourniquet application. If you're going to use a tourniquet, use a good one. Uh, check out the uh, stopthebleed.org or stopthebleed.ca. Basically, any stop the bleed. Um, check that out if you want to become an instructor or teach the course or find a course. Perfect. Uh, and speaking of stopping bleeds and courses, uh, Dr. Nick? Yeah, Dr. Nick with... ATAC, which is a master main group, and then RTAC is the course that he currently has online. Um, message him or find an email for him on the ATAC group, A-T-A-C-C. Um, check them out and look in the course. It's all online, and basically everything that the high-fidelity sims is available. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, and then you got uh, Tanner Olsen Band, country music out in West Coast Canada. Um, wicked country artist up, up and coming, uh, doing some live shows. Uh, going to be up here for our seminar coming up May uh, of 2023. Uh, so yeah, check them out. Uh, and lastly, you have us. Um, you can find us everywhere that you're already listening here. Uh, we are on the YouTubes, the Instas, the TikToks, the Facebooks, and the Twitter. Um, give us a like, share, subscribe, uh, comment on things. We would greatly appreciate the interaction. Uh, again, we apologize for rushing through this, but uh, yeah, this is we are exhausted. So, and uh, check out Oliver Spring mm-hmm. Seminar on Facebook. Absolutely, welcome to the Oliver Spring Seminar this year. Uh, lots of cool stuff. We're like over twenty sessions right now, so mm-hmm. 
um, some new ones, some old ones. Uh, I think we're at six live fire sessions, mm-hmm. anything like that. Different ones. Um, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Uh, I assume nothing more for nothing more. Nope. Awesome. Yeah, yeah thanks for uh, sticking with us this long. Uh, appreciate it. As always, stay safe, stay GTFF.